At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Howdy, everyone. If you enjoy the show, join our free Discord. Link in the description and chat with the cast. Please leave a review and consider joining our Patreon for behind-the-scenes content and more. Tears start at a dollar, and even that helps us out. To stay up to date with episode releases and more, follow us on Twitter at Riffway Podcast. Good evening, Rifters! This is Rifted Rules, the 5e D&D podcast where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules to enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Remy, Dungeon Master and a player on the Riftwake podcast. I'm Mitch, a player on Riftwake, and I have a cat on my lap. You lucky bastard. And today's topic is Great Worms. Mitch, what is a great worm? What you use to catch great fish. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I had that joke lined up three hours ago. <laughs> or whenever we came up with the topic. Uh that was one hour ago. Year an hour ago. If only. I'd love to be in a time loop. That'd be fun. Alright, anyway. Seriously though, great worm. Mitch. What? Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> what almost is, the dragon. <laughs> what is the strongest type of dragon? Not race, but category. God. Well, okay, fine. But technically <laughs> accurate. For, for non-god dragons. Ancient? Until recently, that was true. No longer. There is now a new type of dragon beyond the ancient dragons. And that is the Great Worm. Something that, uh, to, uh, that words. Something new introduced in Fisbin's Treasury of Dragons. And this is a chromatic dragon. So for the chromatic Great Worm, that is, to start, 
a chromatic dragon who has survived over 1,200 years of mortal life, has a hoard in the millions of gold pieces, can achieve a form of apotheosis. Apotheosis? I don't actually know how to say that word out loud. I've only ever read it. Uh, anyway. Reaching a level of power approaching that of Tiamat's mighty aspect. So, most dragons aren't going to get this strong. It, it, this is meant to be a very, very rare thing. Also, the lore of this one is, to be honest, something I'm not super fond of. So, uh, I guess just spoilers ahead. Uh, part of the stuff that gets talked about in Fizbins is the idea of having multiple echoes of a dragon across different worlds in the material plane, and that it is possible for a dragon to potentially merge or devour echoes of themselves to become more powerful, to ascend beyond a, you know, quote-unquote mere ancient dragon. So, it is absolutely just the movie The One with Jet Li, but dragons. However, the power difference is pretty significant. Uh, also, just one detail that I think is kind of funny, but is, mag is necessary. Uh, they no longer need to eat or drink as their horde magically sustains them. And honestly, that is something that is goddamn necessary. Uh, I'm going to send you a picture, and I want you to open that up now and just tell me what you see. Uh, the bigger that you're able to open it, the better. So I just sent Mitch a picture from the book of the red great worm. That is fucking huge. <laughs> it's uh -huh. bigger than the city. It's burning to the ground. Uh-huh. So the picture used in the official art for the red great worm. So first off, a detail that I like is the fact that for all great worms, uh, it is described as their element being more a part of the creature. So for the red great worm, then this photo shows like the fire glowing in its throat, wings wreathed in flame. It is an awesome fucking picture. Like this may well be my favorite piece of art in this book. And I am someone who just loves dragons in general. For the art alone, getting your hands on a copy of Fisbins is worth it. Because, ooh, all the dragon pictures. But, yeah, you mentioned the size of this thing, and that is something that's worth touching on here. Its claws are noticeably larger than the pine trees that are next to it. So, if you have you know, a 50-foot pine tree that is the size of this thing's claw, the actual creature is hundreds, if not over a thousand feet tall. And honestly, it's hilarious to me that this is still considered a gargantuan creature because 5th edition 
does not have the size category colossal, but I kind of wish that they brought it back just for these things because this is so massively large. Its claw is gargantuan alone, let alone the entirety of this just massive, massive creature. Yeah, because what's gargantuan? Like fucking like 10 four by four. Or... No, yeah. not even that. It is just 20 feet or larger. Yeah, this is larger. It This is larger, but it is still gargantuan. So a creature that is the size of a building or the size of a city is all still just the same gargantuan size category. <sighs> I'm going right. to guess its stats don't properly reflect the city size dragon, though. Uh, probably not. Uh, on the bright side, it does have a 22 AC, which is respectable, but you'd think something that has 20 foot thick scales would probably be a little bit more than that, but D&D, so... Or at least five. have like a million health, I mean... 533. That's it. That's it. That's bullshit. It's not as much as you might expect for a creature of that size. I mean, honestly, the way that I would probably think of that is all that 533 is just enough to just kind of burrow the distance through its neck to get to something important. There is no way you should be able to pass a strength check against it. I'm sorry. I don't think that you can just because of the fact that it is more than one size category. But yeah, any spell that is like a strength, yeah, that that is kind of bullshit. Although on the bright side, that is what legendary resistances are for, hopefully. All right. Anyway, um, one thing that is good on one hand, not so good on the other, is the fact that all chromatic great worms and metallic great worms each use the same character sheet with the only real difference being damage immunities and the damage type of the breath weapon. So on the good side, that does definitely make it a lot easier for a dungeon master to potentially just make use of them and to just have the one that they need. Um, the downside that does mean that quite literally all great worms you know, that are metallic or chromatic are going to have the same character sheet. So, honestly, if you're using creatures at this tier of power, just spruce it up a little bit. Give it, like, a magic item or two, or just do something to tweak its abilities. Because any Great Worm should be a unique monster. Just, it, period. It should be unique. So the fact that it is just a character sheet. Grumble, grumble. Uh, anyway. So a chromatic great worm. 30 strength and con. 26 charisma. 21 intelligence. 20 wisdom. And a 14 dexterity. And based on its uh, dragon type is what affects the damage it's immune to. So the usual a red dragon's going to be immune to fire white, cold, yada yada. Now, in terms of conditions, they are only immune to charmed, frightened, and poisoned. And this is kind of an interesting but odd detail to me, 
they're not immune to the po to poison damage, except for green dragons. But all chromatic great worms are immune to the poisoned condition. That I'm not. That's another one that like feels like that might be intentional or might be a typo, and I'm honestly just not certain. How is that immune to poison, but fucking Bahamut and Tiamat? Right. I mean, I get how that's immune to poison. <laughs> but yeah, you see what I mean, though? Like, there are some weird decisions made here. Well, given its scale of size, how much poison would you need to poison something that big? It might not be immune. It's just there isn't that much poison on the planet. Like, honestly, the only thing that would make sense is if you somehow got your hands on some of Tiamat's poison. Like, I'm trying to think, like, what would be like, or like, if you're in a world that has Lolth, like, I could understand if you have a god's poison. But that is the only one that should have the slightest chance. What does it eat? Well, again, that's the thing. They don't need to eat or drink anymore. They are magically sustained. Oh. And that's the thing. They're so big that someone had that thought in the design room. So they I, had I thought to you were going to be like Tarasks, you know. <laughs> Honestly, a Tarask would not be a sufficient meal for this thing. It's not big enough. Like, the Tarask is, you know, big for a D&D &D creature. But it's no Godzilla. Like, it's not on this scale. Like, the Tarasque is too small to feed a Great Worm. I don't even know if Godzilla's on that scale. Uh, good question, honestly. I, I would say so. I would say that it is comparable to, like, the new MonsterVerse real big Godzilla. Like, I think Godzilla's taller, but I think that they would have comparable mass. Because that new Godzilla is a beefy boy. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, chromatic great worm, uh, blah, blah, blah. Saving throw skills don't really care. Uh, damage immunity conditions. Uh, all of them still do have that 120 feet of true sight. So nice single sense to keep track of. Uh, one thing that's kind of neat, uh, upgrades from the legendary dragon to have Four legendary resistances a day instead of the normal three. Uh, does not require food or drink. They do spell that out in the stat block. Now, its multi-attack is a little bit different than Baham and Tiamat's, which is kind of interesting. So theirs was one bite, one claw, and one tail attack. For Chromatic Great Worms, it is one bite and two claws. But it still has that same goddamn restriction for the claw attack that it can only grapple one creature at a time. Look at how big that thing is. That should be able to hold a goddamn building in its hand, let alone a creature. Ah. Well, I mean, you figure if it closes its hand, there's probably a lot of little nooks and crannies to hide in. Yeah, so you'd think that there'd be more than one thing able to be grabbed at a time, disregarding the fact that it has two arms. Ah, oh, that just irks me. But anyway, uh, plus 18 to hit, uh, piercing damage, plus force damage. So again, that's a really goddamn odd choice, to me at least. Most dragons, you know, especially when they are ancient, the bite will do their element of damage. But again, for the sake of simplifying the character sheet, they just made all of them deal piercing and force so if you have a massive goddamn dragon that is on fire 
but its bite does force and does no fire damage? Ugh, odd choices were made. Anyway, uh, bite, claw, and the claw is the same. Escape DC 20 for the grapple. Uh, tail attack does have to potentially do some bludgeoning damage and a DC 26 strength save not prone. Now the breath weapon. Recharge 5-6. All great worms do have the 300-foot cone, just like the aspects that we talked about on Tuesday. However, the chromatic great worms deal 12d12 damage based on their dragon type. Now, does anything about that number stand out at all as odd to you? Yeah, familiar, but I don't remember from what. Well, the reason that it's odd to me, Bahamut is 12d10 for his radiant, uh, sorry, platinum breath. Tiamat is, you know, damage type of her choice that deals 11d12. Somebody must have missed that in editing. That is bullshit that the generic Great Worms deal more damage on their breath weapon than the aspects? What the fuck? How how did that get through? That's ridiculous. Like, if it were me, I would just scale up Bahamut and Tiamat and just give them, like, 15d12 and just be done with it that way. But, yeah. Canonically, though, all Great Worms do more damage on their breath weapon than Bahamut and Tiamat. <sighs> Lesai. Anyway. Uh, 26 deck save for that, and again, it's based on the type of Great Worm. So, again, red Great Worm, fire damage, you know the drill. Legendary actions. For one legendary action, it can make a claw or tail attack. For two legendary actions, can make a wing attack like all dragons can to do an AoE and a save to fall prone. Uh, it does also have an ability called Arcane Spear, uh, which creates four spears of magical force. Each spear hits a creature of the Great Worm's choice. It can see within 120 feet, dealing 1d8 plus 8 force damage to its target, then disappear. You notice something particular in that particular ability. Well, two things, actually. Mm. Can you repeat the, repeat the Each ability? Each spear hits a creature of the Great Worm's choice. It can see within 120 feet, dealing 1d8 force damage to the target. Well, started with 1d8 seems really fucking low. That's the first. Yes. 1d8 plus 8. Its fucking head is over 120 feet off the ground. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it has to get real close. Uh, the other thing to point out, though, it is not an attack roll. It is not a saving throw. Each spear hits a creature of the Great Worm's choice. This is like Magic Missile, an automatic hitting ability. But only dealing 1d8 plus 8 damage within 120 feet? Like, they couldn't even give it the same 300-foot range as the breath weapon? Like, ugh. I honestly do, like, it may sound like I'm being overly critical of these things, but again, th the, the Great Worm is a CR 27 creature here. 
It is one of the most powerful creatures in 5th edition D&D, and I want it to reflect that power, that danger. And based so, on the picture, it is very clearly the size of a city. Yes, it should be a horrific thing to consider facing. This is the kind of thing that could decimate a planet. I mean, literally, that's part of the canon, that these things are potentially powerful enough to just devour other echoes of themselves in order to increase in power and can devour worlds potentially but uh the stat block the does 1d8 plus 8 are you fucking kidding me uh, i mean even with an auto hitting ability that is that is disappointing Dude, a, a loose scale falling off, it should do more than 1d8. Yeah, like, honestly, that would be a kind of funny thing. I'm just fallen scale. Everything in a 200-foot square has to make a deck save or take, I don't know, 10d10 bludgeoning damage. That would be kind of funny. Uh, so, all right, I, I need to go on a minor tangent a little bit. Uh, besides Magic Missile... Are you aware of any other auto-hitting abilities between, you know, that and this? Not that I can think of. There aren't a lot in the game at all, but there also aren't none. Yeah, because I, I know the, uh, the the text when you use uh, shield as a reaction mm -hmm. specifically says magic missile doesn't do damage. Yes. However, there is a creature called a Storm Giant Quintesson. Uh, this is something from Volo's Guide to Monsters. And it has a multi-attack to use an ability called Wind Javelin twice. Which the giant coalesces wind into a javelin-like form and hurls it at a creature it can see within 600 feet of it. Javelin is considered a magic weapon and deals... 3d6 plus 9 piercing damage to the target, striking unerringly. So that goddamn storm giant, with a multi-attack, can twice fire an auto-hit for 3d6 plus 9. But a world-traveling, dragon-echo-devouring great worm deals 1d8 plus 8 for an ability that costs 3 legendary actions? Are you fucking kidding me? At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So, again, I don't mean to be so hard on it, but for something so powerful, it should be stronger. It should be more dangerous than this. On that note, all great worms have a mythic trait, and that's part of why I wanted to make sure we talked about that on Tuesday. So if you haven't listened to that episode, please do so. So, chromatic awakening recharges after a shorter long rest. If the Great Womb would be reduced to zero hit points, its current hit point total instead resets to 425 hit points. It recharges its breath weapon, and it regains any expended uses of legendary resistance. Additionally, it can now use the options in the Mythic Actions section for one hour. Uh, Ward the party an additional 105,000 XP for defeating the Great Worm after activating Chromatic Awakening. So, uh, this is a CR 27 creature to start with. So, if you defeat a uh, Chromatic Great Worm without Mythic, 105,000 XP. With Mythic, 210,000 XP. So, if the mythic uh, trait is active, it gains the following legendary actions. First things first, it can bite for one legendary action. And that is actually an interesting difference from Bahamut and Tiamat again, because they have a bite for two legendary actions, but that also has a save to potentially frighten them. So in terms of pure just dangerous action economy, the Great Worm has more if you consider it using three bite attacks, potentially. And that's just an interesting choice. And the fact that it can claw twice and doesn't have to use tail attack unless it wants to for legendary. But anyway, uh, the second mythic action, uh, Chromatic Flare for two legendary actions. Uh, flares with elemental energy, each creature in a 60-foot sphere uh 60 foot radius sphere centered on the great worm has to make a dc 26 deck save or take 5d8 damage of a type dependent on the great worm's kind so same thing that tiamat has it is just a flare of the type of elemental energy based on that type of great worm so again fire for red cold, uh, cold for white you know the drill so in terms of pure damage output these things are pretty dangerous for the most part but honestly if you were to make use of the great worm in your game i would definitely suggest uh some tweaks to pump up some of the numbers here and there uh actually before i get too far into that i let's uh go ahead and talk about the metallic great worms so Ah, huh, interesting. So it has the same 22 AC, 
The metallic, though, does have a little bit more health, uh, 565 compared to the 533 of the chromatic, which is kind of interesting choice there. Uh, is immune to the relevant damage type, uh, is immune to charm, frighten, and poison, so that's all the same. The metallic great worm, though, is a, a CR 28 compared to the 27 of the chromatics. Uh, that same four legendary resistances a day, doesn't need food or drink, uh, multi-attack, you know, all that's the same. Bite, claws, uh, the bite is piercing and force, that's all the same. It can still grapple only one creature, which I still hate. <sighs> now, the breath weapon. Uh, based on Tuesday's episode, do you remember what I said was different about a metallic uh, dragon's breath weapon? The bonus stuff. Yep. So in addition to the normal elemental breath, which it does have, 300-foot cone, DC 25 deck save for 13 D12 damage. So the metallic great worm does even more damage than the chromatic's breath, more than Bahamut and Tiamat's aspects, which irks me. <sighs> but fine. Uh, also, now that I'm actually looking at it again, the chromatic has a point higher DC, but the metallic has an additional damage die. So that's kind of interesting. But in addition to the elemental breath, it also has something called sapping breath. The Great Worm exhales gas in a 300-foot cone. Each creature has to make a DC 25 con save. On a failed save, the creature falls unconscious for one minute. On a successful save, the creature has disadvantage on attack rolls and saving throws until the end of the Great Worm's next turn. An unconscious creature can repeat the save at the end of each of its turns, ending the effect on a success. So, do you see what makes that ability deceptively dangerous? Not deceptively so, no. Alright, well what is the obviously dangerous part to you? Uh, the damage. <laughs> I mean, the sapping breath is no damage. I'm tired. I mean, don't ask hard questions. <laughs> Much like Fine. my cat, I'm waiting for the post-recording nap. <laughs> Fine. All right. So first things first, a con save or they just fall unconscious for a minute. And each turn at the end of the turn is when they get to roll an additional saving throw on that. So, so like end of the round or end of their turn? End of each of their turns. Okay. So the thing is, think action economy, as I so love to do. If you have, let's even say you have a large party of all, let's say you have eight level 20 characters trying to fight this metallic great worm. And it uses the sapping breath. And because it is a 300-foot cone, it can pretty easily hit everyone by that area of effect. So let's say it does so. DC 25 con save. That's not an easy DC. Even with level 20 characters, it is almost certain that some number of that party would fail that save. So then they would just fall unconscious for a minute so they're unconscious. They cannot take actions. They can lose potentially up to 10 t 
turns from one use of this ability. But even on a successful save, they have disadvantage on attack rolls and saving throws until the end of the Great Worm's next turn. So even if they save, disadvantage on attacks and saves. So turn one, it uses Sapping Breath as the fight opener. People think, oh, okay, that's not so bad, even if I do have disadvantage on saves. But then turn two, it uses its Elemental Breath, and everyone has to make that DC 25 deck save at disadvantage or take that 13d12 damage. So yeah, Sapping Breath is really, really dangerous because even on a save, it is amazing to set up that just for a follow-up. Now, Metallic Dragons have one other difference compared to Chromatics, which is their ability to change their shape. Again, briefly talked about this one on Tuesday. However, Metallic Great Worms are even more powerful uh, in terms of the, this ability. Chain Shape. The Great Worm magically transforms into any creature that is medium or small while retaining its game statistics. The transformation ends if the dragon is reduced to zero hit points or uses an action to end it. So, they are able to turn into anything, medium or small, any humanoid, any beast, any monstrosity, any aberration, anything that is medium or small. And I will be completely honest, the fact that it is limited to medium or small, I think is kind of ridiculous. I think it would make a lot more sense if it was small to large, just because that would open up a lot of fun shenanigans. Imagine if there's a dragon that just likes to roleplay as a boulder. <laughs> I just think that that would be fun. But anyway, that is a really, really cool power and also is a logical thing for, oh, okay, the dragon isn't necessarily always walking around in city-destroying form. It is able to take a smaller form to uh, actually mingle with and be amongst people. Uh, legendary actions, that's the same. Uh, make a claw or tail attack, and then the wing attack for two. And then it has the mythic option, Metallic Awakening. If the Great Womb would be reduced to zero hit points, its current hit point total instead resets to 450, recharges its breath weapon, regains expended legendary resistance, and can use the mythic options, uh, if defeated, additional 120,000 experience. So mythic actions, exactly the same, makes a bite attack, and then has a Shattering Roar ability as its second one, though, for two legendary actions, which is a magical roar. Each creature in a 120-foot radius sphere uh, centered on the Grey Worm has to make a DC 26 con save or take 3d12 thunder damage and be incapacitated until the end of its next turn. And as a quick reminder, incapacitated cannot take actions or reactions. So the metallic Great Worm has quite a number of options available to just make its enemies flat out lose their turn. 
So it can do it with the mythic action. It can do it with the sapping breath. It's honestly really dangerous. I actually, I do like the metallic great worm in general, just for that different style of fight. It's not just a damage dealer, but it does have this ability to crowd control to just try to incapacitate and knock out its enemies instead of just you know incinerating them or electrocuting them or you know what have you based on the metallic dragon's type <sighs> so all that being said can you think of any ways that would improve how these great worms work uh give it a more realistic damage more damage absolutely Honestly, the chromatic arcane spear really pisses me off. 1d8 plus 8 for a CR27 creature is honestly offensive. A, a city-sized CR27 creature. Yeah, that, that is some bullshit. But honestly, also condition immunities, damage immunities. Like, it is insane to me. An imp, a goddamn imp, is at least resistant to, you know, non-silvered, non-magic, you know, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. But no Great Worm, not even the Aspects, have anything about, like, oh, actually, no, I take that back. Uh, Bahama and Tiamat do, but the regular Great Worms don't. Like, they don't have any kind of the resistance to non-magical weapons. You'd think that all Great Worms should have immunity, like, if not at least resistance, to non-magical weapons, but not just its damage type. Like, honestly, that is a disappointment. Like, also the fact that Great Worms have the potential to get poison damage, but not the poison condition, is just kind of silly. Like... It would make a lot more sense to me if you made all Great Worms immune to their damage type, poison damage, and, uh, you know, non-magical bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. Especially non-magical. Like, what, what are you going to... It's not even a toothpick if you stabbed it with a sword. Like in yeah, that, that is just insane to consider that if you do have just, like, you know, a city of non-magical archers that that has any chance in hell for a creature that is infused with their element. That's at, crazy. At best, it'd be a sliver. If you're yeah. Lucky. So again, at least, if, like, at, if it could get through the scale, it should at least it should have resistance to non-magical damage. At least, but honestly, it should just be full-on immune to non-magical damage. I'm sorry, unless that non-magical damage is a city falling on top of it, right? It uh, yeah, be unless immune. it's unless it is a siege weapon in some yeah. form. Like, yeah, if you have you know ballistas and catapults, that is the only shit that should have a chance of working without magic. Uh, before I do get a little bit distracted, though, uh, I do just want to mention a minor, minor, minor tangent. Uh, I think that they should be immune to poison damage as well. Uh, so for the sake of a green dragon who that is its elemental immunity, just give that like necrotic immunity as well. And that would just be kind of cool if you have a green great worm 
that is immune to like poison and necrotic damage like that makes it actually a pretty dangerous foe because then that would mean that something like you know chill touch or things that would potentially stop healing would just not necessarily work on that creature so yeah just give the poison uh, sorry the green great worm just give that like necrotic and poison to give it you know a second damage immunity but yeah the damage of these should get tweaked a bit the dcs should just get equalized just give all of it like somewhere between 25 to 27 depending on what you're going for Honestly, I would say the aspects should just have like a flat DC of 30 because they're goddamn gods aspects. So having, you know, a nice round number of 30 for the CR 30 creature would make sense. You know, give them more damage, give them give them the ability to grapple more than one creature with the claw. That that one honestly still pisses me off. Honestly, I, I can't picture a Great Worm grappling anybody with its claws because it's, yeah. I'm anything, just going to crush it's them. Just like, yeah, it's just put, yeah, if anything, instead of having a claw attack, it should just have, like, a crush ability. What, which is, just like, is, it, is it just using the very tips of its claws to pick somebody up? Uh, like, yeah, it, that is ridiculous and adorable, actually. But, like, yeah, honestly, how cool would it be is, instead of just having it be the typical multi-attack, if they did have it more like every creature in a 50 foot square has to make you know uh you know dc 26 dexterity saving throw or take i don't know like 8d8 plus 10 bludgeoning damage and then half on a successful save as they can mostly get out of the way like it should be more a like if that's the choice of art that you're going with with these things then you'd think that they would have a little bit more in terms of AoE. And honestly, that is what I would say is the biggest weakness of all of these Great Worms, including the Aspects, is that if they have bad luck charging the Breath Weapon, or not charging it, rather, they're actually really limited in their AoE. Like, yeah, there's the legendary action wing attack, but that's an AoE that only does 2d6 plus 10. And they don't get the chromatic flare until they're at the, you know, mythic activation state for the second half of the fight. So they don't have any AoE of significance if they have bad luck recharging their breath weapon. And honestly, like, argument could be made and this truly is something that is debatable but the breath weapon of a dragon typically does recharge on a five or six on a d6 roll to regain that ability but we're talking great worms here we're talking cr 27 and 28 creatures so having it be on a recharge of like four to six wouldn't be that out there in my opinion or honestly just doing a whole different mechanic like do you know how a lot of classes have like a pool of healing dice that they have access to yeah where they might have like yeah like level number of d6 you know heal as a bonus action for the celestial warlock you know there's a druid that has something so yeah that kind of thing to 
get rid of recharge and just have it be something like every turn the dragon gain like gains a pool of you know 6d12 damage that they can you know choose to use you know or save up up to a max of 12d12 so like every two turns they have it available but they can choose to like use more or less power of the breath so more versatility, damn it. Like just the fact that yes, the breath weapon 300 foot cone is enormous, but like it's weird that no dragon has a fire ball. It is all a line or cone. No type of dragon has like ball lightning, fireball, nothing in canonical fifth edition has that, which is very, very, very strange. At least in terms of the classic, uh, you know, ancient and now great worm tiers of dragons. Like, yes, there are named dragons that do have some more unique abilities, but I'm not counting them in this. I still feel like, you know, like you're talking about like lack of AoEs. I feel like it's claw swipe should be a fucking AoE for something that big. Yes, absolutely. Either that or they got to talk to their artist and be like, yo, it's not this big. Yeah. It looks awesome, but just the scaling is not there. But like, yeah, honestly, imagine how cool it would be, though, if it if it was just like, you know, 50 foot area or if you had like all creatures in a 100 foot line have to make the save to avoid the claw. Yeah, because it's basically like, all right, here's a house flying at you. Yeah, good luck. Only one person is going to take the damage. No, it, you're all you're all fucked. Uh-huh. And the fact that, the you know, the massive goddamn claw is 2d8 plus 10 flashing damage. I'm sorry, what? Like, this is in the fourth tier of play of D&D. So this is when you have ninth level spells potentially in play, and yet this massive creature's claw only does 2d10, uh, sorry, 2d8 plus 10. So at most, 26 damage, which is not even a quarter of a fighter's hit points at that level might even be an eighth of a particularly tanky barbarian. That yeah. is bullshit. I feel like a lot of those attacks should be like at least half health damage. <laughs> like, like, yeah, the, the problem is like in, average, not, not max. <laughs> yeah. Like the high tiers of fifth edition D and D are not well balanced. That just is an unfortunate truth that does hurt me to say, but is undisputably true. It takes so long to whittle through the hit points that a creature has available at that point. To get through the 533 hit points that an average great worm, a uh, chromatic great worm has, plus the 425 uh, for the mythic, so yeah, nine hundred fifty-eight. So just under a thousand hit points for a chromatic great worm, and yet it's dealing two d eight plus ten. Imagine how long it would take if two great worms fought each other. <laughs> it would take so long. <sighs> All right. Anyway. Yeah, bump up the damage, 
but just stabilize the DCs, add some damage immunities, maybe an extra condition immunity or two. Tweak Arcane Spear in its entirety. Uh, for the metallic side, potentially update the chain shape to give some more versatility. Uh, also, as a reminder, uh, you can uh, buy the rules in Fizzbins. Also, give the chain shape trait to adult or higher chromatic dragons as well. So, if you do want to have uh, chromatic dragons able to take humanoid forms in your world, that is explicitly permissible now by rules as written in Fizzbins. So, Fizzbins Treasury of Dragons really has a massive quantity of new high CR creatures, all kinds of fun draconic goodies. But even if some of it does require significant amounts of reworking, there is no doubt that this book has inspired a lot of new D&D content for myself and can absolutely be used for inspiration by Dungeon Masters at home. Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Tiers start as low as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to a monthly hangout where you'll be able to chat with the cast, and even input on Riffs and Rules topics. Find us on social media on Twitter at Podcast on Facebook as Riffwake, and you can send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's riffs, A-N-D, rules at gmail.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.